Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Well, welcome back, my friends. Appreciate you joining us today for today's episode as we get right near the end of Mark chapter number 16, and we are going to talk today a little bit about what we call the Great Commission. And when, we, when I say the Great Commission, I hope that you know what that term means. And that, that's, that's essentially the, the commission of the Lord to reach the world with the gospel. So originally given to his team, right, his 11, but really by extension to the church, uh, to all of us that are trained by somebody who is trained by, who is trained by somebody who is trained by them. So that that's the mushroom effect, the multiplication effect of the Great Commission. And the commission to them was reach the entire world. And the commission to us is to reach the entire world. And I know that seems like that's a daunting task, but honestly, if we just did it the Lord's way, each one reach one, each one train one, then the the multiplication effect of that process and of that obedience would see an entire world evangelized in one generation. And you think about what this early band of people accomplished in the power of the Holy Spirit in one generation, they did saturate the world with the gospel. In many ways, these relatively few number of people in really challenging circumstances without the aid of modern technology, without um, email and, and television, without modern travel and airports and all of that, they were able to do that much more with so much less because they obeyed, uh, because they were full of God's Holy Spirit and some of the things I think the modern church lacks. So the Great Commission, was it one event, one time that Jesus gave this Great Commission, great in its scope? And the answer is no. In fact, as you study the end of each one of these Gospels carefully, and the beginning, by the way, of the book of Acts, what you'll discover is that this theme, this commission theme, was really what Jesus was reiterating over and over again in these last days, these days between resurrection and ascension. So these 40 days between resurrection and ascension. Remember, there's 50 days between Passover and Pentecost, uh, but those 10 days between the ascension and Pentecost, the disciples were on their own in the sense that they were waiting for uh, the Holy Spirit to endue them with power from on high, tarry ye here in Jerusalem. Remember that whole thing in Acts 1. So let's talk today about the Mark account of the Great Commission. So here we are in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, where the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I love that. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's that's probably the most pithy restatement of the Great Commission in any of the gospels. So go ye... So the the emphasis in Mark 
is on the imperative of going. And we've seen that, haven't we, already? Already, Jesus has said through that angel to the women, go, go and tell. To Mary, go and tell. Implicitly, to the Emmaus disciples, they went and told. And so now, to all 11, the scope of this is far greater than you could even imagine. Go ye, so you as a group, uh, each one of you has this responsibility. This is not Peter's job, although God will use him greatly at Pentecost. This is not a merely John's job or somebody who's gifted with the gift of gab. No, this is not a gift mix that's required. This is obedience that's required. And when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to being active and an active witness about our faith, that's not someone else's job. That, that's your job. And that's my job. We are uh, professed disciples of Jesus. And we have the responsibility to go and tell as well. And the Bible says, go ye into all the world. Now, does that mean that I personally can go into all the world? Now, I've been to many places in the world. I've been to 40 different countries and uh, I'm, I'm a well-traveled person, but I've only seen a fraction of the world. And I've spoken to very, very few people relatively in the world. So how can I personally obey that command? I can't. But corporately, corporately, that is the command given to these 11 and by extension to us. So as a local church here at Faith, we try to do our part by reaching our Jerusalem, you know, the Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania area, Stafford, these surrounding communities. But then we have a regional responsibility. Boy, we have a heart for our state. We have a, we have a, a beyond regional a responsibility. We love our country. We want to say our country, come back to God. We had a men's prayer breakfast here recently asking the Lord to bring revival to our country. And then we have an international focus. We support foreign missions and try to have missions conference and bring in foreign missionaries. And we've even read some of their uh, prayer cards here on this very podcast. Why? Because corporately, we still have a responsibility to reach the world. Now think about to whom was Jesus giving this command? To whom was he giving this command? Well, he was giving this command to these of whom we've been saying for the last couple of podcasts, they're struggling with belief. They're, they're not believing the, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. They're not believing uh, the fact that Jesus has used eyewitnesses to communicate to them he is alive. The, these So to these doubters, Jesus is saying, now go into the world. And that ought to give us hope. Why? Because we all, God uses feeble people like us, people that struggle in our faith just like we do. But he says to us, by my spirit's power, you can go and make a difference, not just in Jerusalem, not just among the people that you know, not just the people that your pre- your prejudices tell you they deserve the gospel, right? That was the Jewish mindset, the Jews. No, but the whole world, the whole world, red and yellow, black and white, Jew and Gentile, a rich, and, uh, rich, rich and poor and old and young and male and female, everybody needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. So go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. They need the message of the gospel. What is the primary need for the soul of man? The good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. The good news 
uh, that the gospel is the antidote for sin, the good news that Jesus Christ is the answer for all of their problems, the good news of the gospel. That's what people need as, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so as good news from a far country. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news from a far country. And that's our job. And then the Bible says, to every creature. You know what that tells me? That tells me God loves everybody. That tells me that God wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to hear. And he has vested us with that responsibility. It's an every creature gospel. An every creature gospel. Every God's creation. He loves his creation. And for all of God's creation, he desires redemption. He wants to redeem all that which sin has ruined. He wants to redeem all that that the devil has stolen. Now, obviously, man's will comes into play. He must accept and receive, but it's our job to give them that gospel. So the Great Commission. Look at verse number 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So this is not teaching, by the way, that we're saved through baptism. The point here is he that believeth, and in, in the Bible understanding, baptism was the, was the outward and natural expression of belief. So to the, to the New Testament first century reader, to, be, to believe was to be baptized. You know, you wouldn't ever think that they were separated. I am going to declare, if I truly believe, I'm going to declare that through baptism. So he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved because they go together. It's not that baptism is part of salvation. It's just that it's so closely connected. It's a consequence of, it's a declaration of. But if you really want to see what the essence of salvation is, that's defined at the latter part of the verse. Because then the Bible says, but he that believeth not is damned. It doesn't say he that believeth not and is not baptized. Why? Because it's not the work that saves you. It's the work that expresses what saved you believe. But if you don't believe, you're not going to get baptized. If, if you don't believe, you're not saved. So the, the essence of salvation is belief or unbelief. But the evidence of belief in this case is the fact that we declare it in baptism. I'm not saying if you've never been baptized, you're not saved. But what I am saying is if you have been saved, if you have believed, there ought to be a natural desire to express that biblically through baptism. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And the Bible says, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And there is no, there is no notion in the New Testament of pers a person believing and not being baptized. Why? Because that ought to be the that ought to be the answer of a good conscience toward God. And uh, Peter explains that in his uh, short epistle, 2 Peter chapter number, uh, 1 Peter, actually chapter number 3, toward the end of that chapter, you'll read about that. Look at verse number 17 quickly, where the Bible says, here are some evidences of what believers will, uh, uh, some evidences of true belief. And of the first century believers, the Bible says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Uh, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
And of course, we see all of these signs in the book of Acts, don't we? In those, in evidenced in the lives of those early believers. Now you say, well, why don't we see that today? Well, you know, so some there are some people that still believe in snake handling. That's not me. Uh, or believe in faith healing, like a faith healer goes around and just heals people. Now I always wonder, well, why do they go to stadiums and not hospitals? Um, or people that uh, you know drink poisonous things and they're fine, and or people that speak in tongues and you know what 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 are these signs? Well, these signs are exactly what the Bible says they are. Uh, they are evidences in early Christianity that. What is unseen, belief, is real. And these signs are evidence of the reality of the unseen. So the Bible says the Jews require a sign. So in every case that these signs were given, they were evidences to people that did not believe that those that did believe had something authentic. Now, we believe here at Faith Baptist Church, and I believe the Bible teaches, that the sign gifts were for a season. And now that we have the complete, the completed canon of the Word of God, uh, and the gospel ha- is no longer a, a Jewish thing or perceived to be a Jewish thing that we're convincing them primarily, but that we are preaching the gospel to the world, that, that the sign gifts have gone away. So in that sense, I guess you would call me a cessationist. You know, but the sign gifts played a part, uh, but the fact that uh, we, the, the the Pentecost version of speaking in tongues, which is the which is what biblical speaking in tongues is, th- those things don't happen anymore. But those were early signs to validate and vindicate early believers that the belief was authentic. So you see it in Acts two, in Acts eight, in Acts ten, uh, but we don't see it today. Uh, so there's a longer study I could do for you on spiritual gifts, but just understand that the point that's being made here is that. Belief in the gospel is going to be dynamic and real, and God is going to vindicate and validate that in the lives of believers, and he still does that today. He does that through our uh, our renewed priority. He does that through uh, the, the transformation of a life, through a new commitment to holiness, and in myriad other ways. Uh, the gospel has intrinsic power. Well, I feel like I've rambled a bit, but I'm trying to get done by the end of this week. I'm all the way to verse number 19. We're going to stop here in verse 18. We've got two more verses. Boy, they're exciting verses. I don't want you to miss them. We're going to talk about them tomorrow, our very last episode in the book of Mark. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time. God bless.